The, uh, one of the things that's, that's vital to us, because this is where God's working on us, and that is the, uh, the offering and the, uh, the abomination that leads to desolation of you and of me is that if we think in this body that we can offer uh, our ideas, our considerations, our analyses, we're fools. And it's like, um, because everything that God is doing is dealing with self-life. I'll just say it again, you know it, and you'll hear it again. And it could be here, but until it's in my feet, um, and yours, it doesn't mean a lot. But um, there, there's a little song, the children, uh, maybe the teachers could remember this, but it's, uh, I love me, I love me, I'm crazy about myself. I love me, I love me, my picture's on the shelf. And, and that is not a good thing. Though it has been our program, I, I was, when I was praying about this morning downstairs, I remembered I do have my picture on the shelf. And uh, Sister Betty wouldn't let me tear it up, because, you know. Uh, and the, and the, the issue really is, uh, the worst thing about it is we want to blame somebody else. I don't care what kind of a father, mother, sister, brother, neighborhood you came into, you've been purchased by the king. And when you and I become the antichrist, it's when we think we can make a contribution out of us to God. If I go to the mission field, I'm going to be a wonderful helper. And I, I'll just say this again. I spent 12 years. I, I needed it. God knew it. He allows the waste of, of the offering of self so that we come to our senses. And you say, well, Garnet, have you come to your... I've been, let's kill this brother thing if we can. It's... Because our little kids later call us, I mean, I've been in Fred Myers and they say, uh, Brother Bill, and you know, poor guy, I don't know if I'm going to get knives from the people in there. Uh, and the children can call me Garnet. But when you, in your soul, offer you, it really is like Shirley MacLaine on the beach yelling, I am God, I am God, I am God. Now we laugh at that, I laughed heartily. But the reality is, I cannot do anything from self. Okay? Get it? And, and yet, <laughs> we'll repeat it because uh, we just don't believe it. And when Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me, what he was saying is, my dependence is fully on God himself. And that's the, that's the program. You don't own you. You're a, a love slave of God, or you're <coughs> vacillating and turning here and there. And we have, and God knew it. He knew we would. That's why the wonder of his help is there for us. And if we praise today, realize that you, you no longer have to walk in any fear whatsoever. You're undergirded by God himself. He's a father that never, ever lets you go. Father, thank you for that reality and for your goodness and for the protection we've had on the river. Your, your constant Awareness and God give us the, the constant consciousness that we belong to you and not ourselves. Amen. Let's go.
this morning to Psalm 39. I think it's a common theme that we're all experiencing in our lives in a real and practical way that God is at work on a couple of different levels. It's kind of a paradox going on two different dimensions. He's working with us, bringing, bringing both up at the same time. And in verse 4 of Psalm 39, he says this, Lord, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days. What is it that I, that I may know how frail I am? Is, is, can I ask you a question this morning? Is that how God is working with you? Is he making you know your limitations? Are you in touch with your need? Are you in touch with your lack? And that seems to be the work of God and to, to bring us to the point where no matter how he has to do it, I mean, even sometimes if it's, if it's failure, is anybody in the room, I'll raise my hand first so you don't have to be afraid, experience failure? You know, can I submit to you this morning that failure is growth in wolf's clothing? As long as, I'm not, I'm not making an excuse to flounder in failure. As long as your failure produces a dependency and a leaning on it on the everlasting arm. Right. Failure can be growth. That's right. And, and the soreness of growth is so much less expensive than the devastating cost of regret. Growth has pain, both in the natural and in the spirit. And this morning, I, the pain of, of frustration and knowing our limitations, and uh, he goes on to say, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before thee. Brother Bill, you're 87 years old, but that's nothing. Oh God, I just want to say that. Okay, I don't say anything else. No. <laughs> Verily, every man, get this, at his best state, is altogether nothing, altogether vanity. And he goes on and on, and surely every man walks in a vain show, and surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in you. And it's, it's, it's one thing for God to, to bring you into the borders of your limitation. And, and, when, and, and I'm not going to be long this morning. I just want to share from my heart. Uh, if you came looking for some profound revelation, I'm sorry. You may be disappointed, but I think that we all, we're all living in the same place and God is dealing with us in such a way. And wouldn't you say it's been wonderful over the past few years how the confirmation of His intention toward us has been reaffirmed over and over again. And I think about, I think about the Scripture over in the Song of Solomon, chapter, somewhere in chapter 2, where He says, With His right hand He embraces me. And that seems to be what's happening in our lives is that the right hand of God that brings salvation is, is there's an embrace there. There's an assurance of his intention toward us. And it says that his left hand holds up my head. You see, God's got two hands. And you and I are being held in, in a secure place by the right hand that has brought salvation into your life. And I love what Brother Bill said this morning. There's no need for you to fear. There's no place in hell for you. But that, that word left there in the Song of Solomon, if you look it up, it has the connotation of darkness. And so while you're being held by the right hand of God, the left hand of God is at work 
in your circumstances. Uh, and and, and I, I recently talked about closing the margins because I don't know about you, but I'm grieved by what I see in the Word, what God declares concerning you and I and the margins that I see in my own personal life. Yeah. And God is at work with the right hand holding you steady in the security of His love and His mercies which are never-ending and His love which is everlasting. Is that how you see it this morning? I, uh, I made a friend yesterday. His name is Phineas. And I mean, it, we were just instant friends. And I said, come here. And you know, he came right over. And he looked in my eyes and you could tell that he was convinced that I was pretty impressed with him. <laughs> and he just crawled right up on my lap. Told me about, he said, you know, I got a fishing pole. <laughs> he said, what I really like is for you to come see my room. I'm going to show you my fishing pole. And that happened over a long span of about two minutes. And I say that to you this morning because I, want, I wonder, I saw the confidence in that little man as he knew that he was loved immediately. And he felt comfortable in crawling up in my lap and talking to me. And I wonder how you feel in your relationship to your God this morning. Do you have that kind of confidence? Can you, can you crawl up in his lap? Can you come to him and, and know that you're accepted and that you're loved? Even if you just failed. Can I, can I tell you this morning that there's nothing about you, nothing about your life, positive, negative, anything, that is a surprise to him. Surprise is not in the vocabulary of God. It's hard to sneak up on him. <laughs> He's already in tomorrow. He's already in your tomorrow. And when he said you'll do, and when he chose you before the foundation of the world, he knew every move that you would ever make. He knew that every choice, every failure, he, would, he knew that he would bring you to the borders of your limitation. And he knew that it would have to be him that would bring you all the way home. Nothing about you surprises him. He knows your down sittings. He knows your uprisings. There's not a thought in your head or a word in your mouth that he doesn't altogether know. And he said, you'll do. And he chose us because of our need. He chooses the weak. He chooses the foolish. We know these things. And that's why we qualify for the program. We used to think we qualified for other reasons. But there's been water under the bridge. And we've hit the wall many times. And we're becoming less and less impressed with ourselves. And more and more impressed with Him. More and more unsure of ourselves. And becoming more and more sure of him. That he's there in your, in your worst hour of need. Holding you with his right hand. While his left hand works out the details and closes the margins. The wilderness. That the people walked in. And it's the same thing that you and I walk in every day. It's not really a geographical location. It's a state of being. It's a, it's a barren place. It's a place that's not able pro to produce of itself. It's not a geographical location. It's not a period of time. It's a state of being. That everything has to be provided for you. Water from the rock. 
manna from heaven, everything, your clothes, uh, the sustenance, not wearing out. Uh, that's all God and nothing of us. But you know what? If we just focus on our limitations, that's a mistake that will lead you into hopelessness and making excuses. Because God doesn't always intend to keep you and I in the wilderness. You can see it in the Song of Solomon. There's a coming up out of the wilderness. And if you're going to come out of the wilderness, you're going to find yourself leaning on a strength that's not your own. You're going to find yourself leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on the arm of your beloved. And there's a land where the manna ceases and the water from the rock ceases and the waters flow. A land of milk and honey, a land that is watered with the dew of heaven. That also is a state of being. As a people come to a brokenness, there, there's a transition, there's a turning of the page from a focus on just your limitations and how you see yourself to begin to start seeing yourself through the eyes of God as He sees you, as the new creature that you really are, a new state of being that can only enter, be entered into by trust. Why, the reason they stayed in the wilderness, the reason they died in the wilderness, they were not fooled about their limitations. We could look at that over numbers. And I, so I want to encourage you, yes, get in touch with your need. I don't think I have to tell you to do that. That's going to happen. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to hit the borders of your limitations. And so am I. And we do on a daily basis, don't we? Numbers chapter 13. Uh, in verse 17, we'll just read a bit. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Get you up this way southward and go into the mountain. And, and the, these folks are, are being invited to go in and spy out the land, explore. What about you and I? What about the access that we've been given? What about all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? What about everything that pertains to life and godliness? What about partakers of the divine nature? Do you hear the invitation of the Spirit of God to come up out of the wilderness of a state of being into a land that's been provided for you, a state of being, of a nature, of a character, of, of which the promised land speaks about? It's not a geographical location either. It's not a period of time. It's not someplace out in heaven. It's a state of being to where the manna ceases and you begin to start eating of the fruit of the land in you. So it's time to, to, to get up southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is and the people that dwell it therein, whether they be strong or weak or few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that, dwell, that they dwell in, and whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, and whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood therein or not, and be and be of good courage. How can I have courage? You can't have courage without trust. That God is for you. That your situation, that there's nobody that's so far down that the grace of God cannot reach them. No matter where you're, how you see yourself, 
you're growing. And growth takes time. Be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. And now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. The same invitation is coming out to you and I today. Do you take time? We live in such an electronic world. And, and the distractions that are there that consume our time. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here. Maybe this is confession because it's me too. I find myself far too much on my devices, on my phone, and checking my messages or checking Facebook or, or this or that and, and find myself distracted when I could be exploring. I'm not talking about being religious. I hate that. But exploring what God has put inside of you and I. You see, it, it has to go beyond just seeing your limitations. Because your limitations only bring you, should only bring you to a, a place of trust and dependency. But when you come into that place of dependency, there should be a transition from just saying, woe is me. To begin to start acknowledging every good and perfect thing that is within you. Because the communication of your faith, Philippians says, or Philemon says, excuse me, is not effectual unless you acknowledge not just your limitations, but also acknowledge the goodness of God and what He's deposited in you. And begin to start exploring that. Begin to start taking advantage of the access and turning your face away from looking at you, from the mirror of your own analysis to the mirror of the Word and see yourself in light of what the Word says about you. We said this before. In Hebrews it says, we understand that the, through faith that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Let your lives be framed by what God has said about you. Oh, it's such a... The working of God is so mysterious, it's past finding out. On the one hand, making you know your frailty, but not stopping there. On the other hand, letting you know your potential because of Him. Letting you know your privilege because of Him. That everything He is, that as He is, so are we in this world. Wow. Now that's a big statement. It's true. It's true in your spirit. And God is working it out in the soul. But isn't it true that if there is that offering that Brother Bill was talking about this morning, that daily offering of, of our souls, to be under, under His inspiration, under His direction every day. That, that whoever is joined to the Lord, that means your soul is one spirit. And so is it possible through, through this offering, it's not that God is just looking for an offering, but He knows that in the offering, that what happens, there's a joining that takes place. And you and I, the woman, the soul, like David said, my soul hath made her boast in the Lord, is joined to the Lord in union and now loses the lower soulish aspects and now becomes one spirit. Is this okay? Yeah. So, how do you see yourself this morning? Look at verse 33. Or verse 32, he says, And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. 
And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. I don't know how they knew how they looked in their sight, but that was just an addition. We'll throw that in there. Rampuses. And how do you see yourself? Are you so focused on your limitations? Are, are you, here's, here's a question. Are you deifying the giants of your limitations? Or are you glorifying the God that said, I'm going to bring you into everything that I am? That every aspect of my character is your inheritance. That your born again experience was, was the start. That, that you being in Christ is the start of a new creature. That word new is, is the Greek, we've said it before, is the Greek word kainos, which means unprecedented, unprecedented, never heard of before. A new kind of being. That you and I are in transition right now. No, we can't do anything of ourselves because God has called us into relationship. It's not that God just wants you. He wants relationship with you and I. He wants us to come. And how hard have we tried? I've tried hard. How about you? Have you tried to get yourself there? How's that working for you? It's almost like Romans 7. I want to do good, and when I try to do good, it seems like there's a law present that's making me do bad. And I come out of it thinking, frustration, what a wretched man I am. Thank God for Romans 8. Who shall deliver me? from this body of death. Because that's not all of who I am. you got to dig deeper. Past the surface of who you are. Who you seem to be. Somebody say, please, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you something. The, the line that says, uh, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit is not in the manuscripts of scripture that's an addition from the interpreters although you shouldn't walk after the flesh don't misunderstand me but even if you have there's no condemnation because at this point in time God is not imputing to you sin and can I tell you this and it says it over in Corinthians that he has made us ministers of reconciliation, that he is not imputing sin to the world right now. Now that one, look it up. And think about it for a while. And when you see that person out there that's in obvious bondage, how do you see them? Amen. You don't know, because you see, no man can come unless the Father draws him. And that person that could be trapped in some of the bondages that are just unbelievable, drug addiction, alcoholism, in, in the, 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 the sewer of, of lust, of whatever kind, whatever brand, and realizing that God could draw them and they could turn. And the reason that God can draw them is because the whole world is covered. He didn't just die for our sins. That's right. But for the sins of the whole world. And right now, there's a covering of blood. And God, therefore, can reach in and deal. He can reach in and touch the leper wherever they're at and make them clean. And because of that, He can reach into your failure and mine. bring you all the way home. Bring you completely out of yourself. And so where are you today? Have you come into contact with the borders of your limitations?
That was a question. Don't stay there. Move on in trust and faith because the borders of your limitation are the doorway to his limitless, limitlessness in you. And so, and you could see it in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, where it says that he came and knocked on the door and said, Open to me. My locks are wet with the dew of the night. And she found herself laying there in her complacency. I'm already there. I'm already... But she really wasn't. She knew him in, in a measure, and I think that's a good description of you and I. But there's a door in front of us, and she said that my hands were dripping with myrrh upon the lock. It's a locked door that only the cross can open up. And that anointing for burial. And she unlocked it, and he had removed himself. She went searching for him. And you know what happened? The left hand started working. She found the watchman. The watchman found her. They smote her. They wounded her. And they took her veil away. And almost imperceptibly, her margins were being closed. The margins sometimes are closed by affliction. And they said to her, what is your beloved more than another beloved? Previous chapter, she said, we, we saw him through the lattice. But now she begins to describe him in intimate detail. Read it, it's in chapter 5. I want to take the time this morning to read all that. You guys are scriptorians, you know what I'm talking about. And you know something, you can't... It says, we shall see him as he is. Why? There's a prerequisite to seeing him as he is. But we shall be like him. And the personal margins that are in your life, that are in my life, are being closed by the left hand of God. As you unlock the door and start walking in, start exploring, come up to the mountain and start exploring the characteristics. <coughs> what, 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 what an audacious statement. Partakers. I mean, it rolls off of our tongue pretty easy. Partakers of the divine nature. To have that released in you. The only thing that can unlock that divine nature inside of us is a cross. It's shaped just like a key. The wounding that God takes, the adversity, the affliction that takes away the veil. Over in John, he says, a little while and you shall see me no more. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the Father. Those two words for see are two different words. We've seen him in a measure. We've seen him behind the lattice. But I believe that you're a people anointed to be buried with him. That the anointing, the sweet smelling myrrh is all over you. I really believe that. And if you'll put your hand on the lock and begin to start going deeper than your limitations, if you don't go deeper than your limitations, you'll let the limitations be an excuse. You'll make excuse for not going in. Folks, we're on the borders of a new kind of being, of a new kind of life experience. Don't let the giants 
of your limitations keep you from going all the way in all that God has for you. And take advantage. Another place he says, teach me to number my days. Time is temporal. It's a gift. That's why it's called the present. <laughs> that was deep. What are you doing with it? People that end up contracting terminal illnesses and different things like that get in touch with the brevity of time. Maybe you need to take, go visit my friend Phineas and let him crawl on your lap and tell you about his fishing pole. Maybe you need to hug your kids. Maybe you need to be careful about the harsh words that come out of your mouth to your spouse or to your brothers and sisters. This span of time that the psalmist said was a hand breath is not forever. How you spend it. I'm an investment advisor and I advise you to spend your time, invest your time in love with those around you, to your God. Explore. Go past your limitations. Get away from the mirror of your self-analysis and turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And look for Him. If you're going to find Him, you're going to have to look for Him where He is. Stop looking for Him there. The angel said, why are you gazing up in heaven? Don't you know that He's He's coming in the clouds. A cloud received him. And a cloud will bring him back. You're going to see him in the face of your brothers and your sisters, broken people that have come to know their own limitations and are coming up out of the wilderness, a kind of being. And they're leaning on the arms of their beloved. So this morning, turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I think the only time anyone can fully love themselves, and I have, is when I know that God is the source and what uh, is before me has a level of perfection in it. Very rare, but nevertheless, it's, it's available. And uh, I, I was sitting there thinking of the absolute filthy pride that we wallow in when we think and I thought it not accusing you when we think that we have a better idea for our direction and our future than God now that is really the plight of a fool uh, I've um, I've been working on a library and it, it means a lot to me. And it doesn't have to mean anything to you and if it doesn't, you know, uh, go your way because we're free. And the great thing about God is he's, he's not a coercive father. He knows at the end, he owns it all. And he can let you go our way and have our detours, our, our stops of love for ourselves, whatever it is because he has total ownership and total control no question and until we get that in our minds we're going to think that there's there's more room to move than there really is but Austin Sparks
came along at a time, you know, maybe six, seven years ago. I, but it was a total turnaround because of the, the, the nakedness and the honesty of that old man. And if you ever listen to him, he'll, you know, don't. Because uh, he, his uh, gift of speaking is not so good. It's really a soporific. It's better than melatonin. But I love the reality and where he truly lived. And I have worked through that, but I want to read something to you that why I care for him and why I'm spreading the library. And I'll stop if there's no more interest. I had a whole uh, raft of things and they just up and disappeared. And I said, well, I hope somebody took them. But I want you to listen to this on the light of, of our word this morning. She says, <laughs> because the, the word was, uh, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That was the word he was presenting. And, uh, and he says, personally, I am constantly brought to this. I have not yet learned thoroughly to believe what I believe in. If that doesn't stop you, uh, he goes on. I believe in the finished work of Christ, yet sometimes I'm just as miserable about myself as any man could be. I am often almost a point of giving up because of what a wretched kind of thing I am. If there's anything in this world that would cause me to give up the Christian ministry, it's me. And, and we've said it here. I mean, you're your own worst enemy. Okay? And sometimes we want to help. I'd like to help you. I can't. We could toss preaching for the rest of the time, and there wouldn't be a great uh, ellipsis of information. You know, it's, it can't be done if the Spirit doesn't do it. And I, I love his reality. Do you understand what I mean? Oh, how we are discouraged by what we find in ourselves. And I won't go on with this, but it's true. Because we're being processed. And if we know, you know, it's like on the one hand, I can stand and say, I'm complete, he says I am. But there's still evidence that it's not finished. And I want it finished. I want it now. God says, by and by, Bill. Just, I will help you. Don't run the program. And so this, this aspect of time is very vital. And, you know, Gabe came by this morning and apologized for all the stuff that's going. And he said, I really wanted to be here. But he couldn't. You know, he couldn't be here. And, you know, you're not going to hell, go to hell for missing a service or two, or even if you, you know, I've seen people walk out, and I, I caught a French guy overseas, and he walked out, and uh, I went over, and it was in a, a Spain convention. Thank God I don't remember who was up, but it was wretched. God wasn't there. And, uh, <laughs> and the guys, he looked, had... Uh, guilty look. The guy was, he was in movies in France. Good looking guy and there were some of his friends where they just dropped in. He, said, he goes, pew. And I said, hey, way to go. That was a good move, leaving. <laughs> he looked at me and I said, you don't want to hang around where, where the presence of God isn't. You know, who wants that? There's too much out there in the natural, <laughs> you know, just looking at the flowers grow than to have someone berating me for that. But Austin Sparks has, was going through what you're going through. And the enemy knows it, and he, he does everything to block the joy and the wonder of what's ahead. We just have to go on. If we do, the promise is ours, and so we repent for not staying under and trusting. Uh, Father, thank you for this day.
thank you for friends and for those who, who are committed uh, to laying their lives down. And Lord, the, the continuity and the, and, and the binding of love is greater than our little minds can gather, but all over the earth, the black and the, the, the yellow and the, the white. All the suns are out there this morning and they yield, they wait for your sure mercy and your coming. And so thank you for the reality of that. We're not finished yet and forgive us of our impatience, but we know that you are sure and you will not let us go. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.